0: Hello, welcome to the GI at E3 podcast. Um, we've gone visual for this one, so if you're listening to us audibly and want to see our lovely faces, join us on YouTube. Um, these podcasts are going to be shorter, more frequent shows on the big stories of E3 or whatever you want to call this games event season. Um, after this one, we'll be bringing on some special industry guests to help us with discussions, <laughs> to help us with discussions, which we're all very excited about. But today we have the games. biz team with us. My name is Chris. I am head of games B2B at Repop, which is basically head of games. biz. And I'm joined by the editor in chief of the website, 15 year games business veteran, James Batchelor. Hello, James.
1: Hello. You make me sound much more experienced than I feel. <laughs> Maybe much older than you look. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Embracing myself for the week ahead. Um, kind of last last night was kind of the uh, the teaser, like you know the Summer Games Fest kickoff live, and I've been trying to wonder what like a digital E3 will feel like. And there I was last night. Um. You know, chopping vegetables for dinner with you know Jeff on my phone and like propped up on the side. It's like, yep, this is about the standard E3. This is not going to be any <laughs> different to normal.
0: I was I was rocking my son to sleep whilst uh, listening to whatever nonsense was going on. No, not, I mean, in the best possible way. Um, we'll nonsense. talk. We'll talk about that in a moment because we also have uh, the games gamesindustry.biz. I really just GI. I use the word GI. <laughs> GI news editor. And award winning journalist Danielle Parters with us. Hi, Danielle. How are you doing?
2: Hello. I'm doing well. I'm very tired. Yesterday was a long one, and I too was uh, I was making a curry and watching Jeff on the countertop,
1: nice. uh,
2: which was a very interesting experience. But you know, we adapt. I'm I think waiting the next to find. Year
1: we need to get a, a Twitter thread thread going of uh, what people are cooking while watching Jeff.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, curry for you, for heaters for me. Chris, what were you? Are you rocking the baby? Mm, that's not yeah. really cooking, but that's fine.
0: Yeah, I'm sure somebody was on the toilet. That's the. Uh, that's I guarantee the one. Yeah.
1: on
2: the
0: toilet. <laughs> Um. Uh. And it's it's. Daniel, Daniel, are you getting Ratchet and Clank today? Is this... uh...
2: I am, yeah. Um, I'm getting it delivered to him. (laughs) I'm hoping it doesn't arrive while we're doing this. Actually,
0: yeah, because we're just going to turn it off. Don't (laughs) want (laughs)
2: to
0: miss it. Well, I mean. We are here to discuss the first set of developments during Summer Games Fest slash E3, um, and I sort of think it makes sense to work backwards, particularly as we've already started talking about it, which is uh, kickoff live, the first party Perth Perth party, the first part of Jeff Keely's uh, Summer Games Fest. Um, it'll be fresh in our minds. Danielle, what did you think? Was it was it everything you dreamed of?
2: It was good. Yeah, I didn't know it was coming, and I I don't think I was particularly hyped about it until i sat down and watched it and you know you see everyone going off on twitter and everyone having a good time about releases um especially the the Elden Ring drop because i am not a, a fan of souls games really but i just got excited because everyone else was excited about it finally being here um so yeah just it was pretty good
1: yeah james what did you uh, were you were you hyped <laughs> so hyped so very <laughs> very hyped no um Last night kind of kind of helped me set expectations. We've been talking about this for weeks that like this is gonna be a very kind of different E3 slash summer Games Fest. I'm gonna now just shorthand as E3, because everyone does that anyway. Um it's gonna be a very different kind of E3 or a different summer, um, in that we still don't know the full implications of the, the coronavirus pandemic on on development. So we don't know like the number of of reveals that would have been due this year that would have slipped. Um And I think like, you know, this big summer games first kickoff live, you know, lots of exclusive reveals, world premieres, and it's, there was nothing that leapt out at me. Yeah, like, you know, the big the thing that people are talking about is Elden Ring, which is a game that was announced two years ago. We've heard nothing about since. So you would hope there's something, has, some progress has been made in two years. And then uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which I am definitely looking forward to because i really enjoyed the Tiny Tina character. But again, it's one of those things where, like, it leaked everywhere beforehand. And we only kind of got a teaser. I've, I'm, I'm rambling here. This is, this is where I basically, like, cram all my thoughts in because I didn't get to be on our last podcast. We're um last night in particular, we're seeing a lot of reveal of reveals. Um there's a lot of you can see more of this later. And yeah, and I get that because this is the kickoff, this is the opening, this is not the big show. The big stuff is gonna come over the next few days, particularly over the weekend. But equally like to gear up and like, oh, here's something really exciting, and I'm not gonna learn anything about it. It kind of <laughs> it's 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 quite the roller coaster. I quite I have to say I was
0: quite impressed. Like I, I was I expected like a load of Among Us map, map packs and stuff, which we got. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but um, I and um, yeah, you're right. It was teases for the future f- for a bigger reveal down the line, which I think is kind of the point, isn't it? It's like is here's, here's, here's what's coming. But I was I have to say like Elden Ring. I don't care about Elden Ring. It's, I'm not a big From Software fan. I tried very hard with Bloodborne, but I know it's a massive thing, particularly in the US market and it's a huge game, and every single reveal, it doesn't matter what it's about, even if it's a Pokemon Direct, there's people in the comments going, Elden Ring. And um, so it's kind of a big deal, and I think it's quite good for Jeff anyway to have got that and secured that in his show. And
2: Borderlands is also
0: pretty big. And, you know, so I was quite (laughs) impressed by the level of... He got some pretty big games, and obviously he brought out his mate Hideo Kojima. It's, yes. it's, it, we knew that was going to happen. I just didn't. I wasn't expecting Death Stranding, and it was PlayStation. Like PlayStation aren't supposed to be here, and oh look, they showed up with like three announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Activision Blizzard was there with Call of Duty and Overwatch, and it was they—they're they're not supposed to be here either. So it was kind of there were a few things that made me go, "I'm quite. This is pretty good." It was a bit long, mm-hmm. um and it also felt like E3 because I think I said to you, James, before this that. Um, it was a bit Hollywood. E3 is a bit Hollywood. You always get like those, you get the, you you get the Keanu Reeves moments and stuff. And you had Jeff Goldblum and you had Ryan Reynolds and you had Netflix and you had sort of fast and furious and stranger things. And just these little, little moments, which are quite TV and populist and stuff. And um, I don't really love that stuff generally. I fine, but uh, it just maybe it felt E3. And I think that's why I was impressed. I wasn't expecting very much and, and it was, oh, I thought it was pretty good. But go on, James, what are you saying?
1: No, I, I agree. Like, I, I, it did feel like E3. Um, I think that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. It's like, it didn't feel much different. Like, it, there's been a lot of questions as whether or not this year will feel different because it is digital only. It's like, And, it, and for the vast majority of people who are there, you know, for, for everyone but the few thousand that go to L.A., this is exactly the same experience that we're experiencing in a good way. Like, so it's like, okay, good. Like, and particularly after last year, not having this centralized one week's worth of, of announcements, it being all spread across the summer yeah last night got me like looking forward to like oh brilliant i'm looking forward to seeing what comes the next night and the next night and the next night um so yeah i, th- I thought summer games fest was done done well my uh, the other thing i was trying to interject with was um i wonder if uh elden ring will appeal to you a bit more i got bored last night i made um i put the the twilight princess reveal music um from the original 2005 trailer over the elden ring video and it works and i think you might be a bit more interested now <laughs>
0: i just don't like games i am i just i'm not i i don't have any patience anymore for for games that require patience (laughs) and uh, um and it's so it's not like i i think it's i was very impressed by how bloodborne looked and the whole idea behind it but i just went this isn't something that i can enjoy um not at the stage in my life (laughs) um i don't entirely sure if i ever could enjoy it um was there anything that jumped out at you danielle that sort of made you go i want that that sounds good um
2: I think that the big highlight for me was the Borderlands thing um, because I I absolutely loved Borderlands 2 and I, I put hundreds and hundreds of hours into it. But I didn't get Borderlands 3. I just sort of didn't have time um mm-hmm. and while I I absolutely loved uh Borderlands 2 I, I just think it's it's now part of like a pocket of my life that I'm not in anymore so I'm going oh cool new Borderlands and then I'm thinking about all the people I used to play Borderlands with that I don't play games with anymore I'm just sort of being a bit sad about it but I probably <laughs> will buy it anyway um because mm-hmm. it just it's uh I, I loved the the Tiny Tina DLC I think that was one of the best things that they've done
1: and oh, if wow. it's more of
2: that uh I'm very excited
1: so it does sound like it's more like that, and um, I, like, I, I, I loved the Borderlands series. Like um, mm. I played the first one to death. I played a lot of the second one, and I'm kind of the same as you. Borderlands Three is like by the time this came out, I like, I don't have time for this. I don't have. A, <laughs> I want to play this game, but it doesn't want to let me. And there's just too much like side quests and grinding, and I just do not have time for it. But the, the, the tiny Tina DLC is something I always wanted to go back to for Borderlands Two. I kind of wish there was like a, a character creator that let you just you know level up a whatever level you need for that DLC and just mm. start that DLC. It looks like this game is going to be that on a on a larger scale. There there, there were references in the in the release and the announcement that. Tina is, you know, as it's as a narrator, really, yeah. Tina, Tiny Tina is just going to change so. the rules and the conditions as she goes along, which is like a lot of that kind of spontaneity was know. what made that DLC so I much fun so. from what I've seen of it. So, yeah, looking, definitely looking forward to that.
0: I um, never played Borderlands, despite the fact the PR once sent me an ice sculpture of myself to promote it, <laughs> um, which is officially the weirdest thing I've ever been sent in my entire also, it was sort of right at the heart of um, of sort of the GMA defiance sort of period in the game, which is not it was not a fun period. And it was like, oh, you're going to post me pictures of this ice sculpture that we've made of you and shipped to your off-? life size, by the way. Actually, it was taller than me. um And um, and you're going to take? No, I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't think they're going to think. I guess. Oh dear, it was a diff- weird, weird. um It was it was definitely. Very cool. I've never played it though. So for me, it was um two point campus because um, yeah, shit. Yes. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> for a similar reason, like, I remember, you know, it seemed too much, I never played Two Point Hospital, even though I love Theme Hospital. And for so the same reason every time they announced a, a Sim thing, which is only the second time, but every time they do something, I'm like, oh, I would love that, because I used mm. to love that. Similar thing to what you were saying about Borderlands. Um, that was, that was something that brought to me, it wasn't, there wasn't much Nintendo there. It was Monster Hunter Stories. So that's the sort of thing that I go in for. And there wasn't much Xbox either. I know that they did the whole um, game, uh, the digital try trial indie trial thing I forgot the name of it um but there wasn't a lot of that there but um but one of the things that jumped out at me because i've because i'm doing an interview with the developer later on today was the um uh the deal that sony signed with um i need to get the name of the studio right uh deviator yeah let's go with that yeah. <laughs> deviation i mean, it's deviation deviation, yeah. deviation. Yeah, they're the deviators um they were the there um the um uh because uh, i think that's i think that's quite cool because this is the third studio sony have signed in less than six months like about six months um who are uh like former developers of a massive franchise you've got jade raymond's studio obviously assassin's creed and that kind of stuff and then you've got the last studio they signed they probably monster studio um uh, best known for destiny the former destiny people and then they've got the call of duty black ops people now and they sort of seem to be investing in the next uh the game from those creators whatever it may be it's very early doors have really got in and where you compare that to microsoft who are buying big established brands and franchises and studios sonia sort of going in at the ground level with these um these sort of new things i I think that's really interesting um i don't know if it's going to work or not it largely depends on what comes out the other end but um it is a it's quite a it's now a trend it's not just oh it's a bit of a coincidence which is what i had with the last one now it's Call of duty devs um so i thought that was cool um even if it was just ultimately a business announcement.
1: But see, but that, this is us getting our business heads on. Like the business announcements I, I increasingly find more interesting. So like the the Koch Media, Koch Media, I never know how to pronounce that. Like I'm I'm everyone says Koch, but I'm reliably informed it's Koch. Um but the the Koch announcement that um they're they're creating a new publishing label, Prime Matter. Um so we've got an interview of that already on the on the site. Mm. Um and again, that was a, a, a reveal of a reveal because they kind of, they talked about it and showed a sizzle reel last night. But then tonight, actually you know, like a good few hours from um, from recording now, they're going to do like an hour long presentation of all the games involved. Um, nine games,
0: isn't it? Isn't it like nine?
1: 13 games, seven of which are new IP. And that mm. that to me is exciting. So right, we've got a new publishing label. There's a lot of new IP. Like new IP tends to get drowned out a bit at E3 because the you know everyone's getting so, I well, lower... Lower budget or lower, less prominent new IP gets gets drowned out. Yeah, Elden Ring yeah. is a new IP, but it's from Hidetaka Miyazaki and George R. R. Martin, and from From Software, and therefore it's like it's a new IP, but with expectations already behind it. I mean, like completely fresh out of the blue, new IP yeah. it always kind of gets drowned out a bit. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what, seeing more of that, and seeing whether it can stand out.
0: Yeah, new IPs. um so the whole idea that new IP is really hard is actually sort of become a bit... I mean, it is hard when you're at E3 and you're competing with Call of Duty and stuff, but it's actually becoming a little bit more... I think, actually, it was, goes back to that first E3 after the consoles came out with Destiny and Watch Dogs and stuff, and it started to realise... And Cyberpunk, I know it's based on a board game and it's by yeah. the people behind the witch of it. That, you know, that was kind of a new thing. And even, you know, we talked about Tiny Teenage, sure, it's a Borderlands spin-off, but it, it's a new... It's, it's been presented as a new thing. People do like new stuff, but yeah, you have to... You have to stand out, and because there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there. I, that, that so, what I, which James? Tell me the prime matter stuff because Koch got Deep Silver. So why is this?
1: <laughs> um, I'll be honest, they weren't 100 percent clear on that. <laughs> they, they, like it was. So th- they've been operating multiple labels for years. They've always had Deep Silver. Um, they've had Ravens Court for a while. Uh, yeah. They have. They acquired Milestone two years ago. And they've got Vertigo. And it kind of slots in that, you know, like the AAA games tend to go through Deep Silver. The Ra- the adventure and strategy games go through ravencore Milestone has always been racing even before Clutch bought them. And the Vertigo is now VR games. So I was like, well, what counts as a Primata game? And they want to kind of keep it loose. They want to have a mix. They don't really want to do it that, you know, like they, they pick a game specifically for the Primata label. It's more, I, the way that he phrased it was more like it's, it's, it makes more sense to kind of scale up and expand what we're doing rather than trying to push everything through the labels we already have. Um, the, the, the lineup they've shown so far, it kind of ranges from the big things like payday three and a new painkiller and, you know, a port of kingdom come deliverance. So like established IP down to these really cool little um, new IP. So like echoes at the end encased um, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um they, they want to do a mix they want to do like you know both mainstream and niche and stuff that's of a global appeal and they want to get stuff that's globally developed so like out of these 13 games you've got some that are developed in brazil iceland czech serbia yeah. russia like markets that are not as prominent when it comes to knowing which developers are there so I, it all kind of plays into this grander strategy of koch wanting to kind of become a, a bigger global more global publisher yeah um and kind of providing I, more content for that and uh and uh, this this seemed to be uh it makes sense for them so i, I think we'll find that. out more tonight
0: I, well i'm 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 sort of
1: yeah i just i just found it because i pay Yeah, you know, when you say a load of new ip
0: new things from new people i sit there and go well that's cool i understand why i'd label that but then you look at payday three which actually in my head kind of does fit with saints row and dead yeah. island yeah. and time splitters and
1: I think, and why is that over here, but not over there? But I mean, we can get into it. I imagine, I imagine that you didn't say as much, but I imagine that is to kind of give it kind of a headline name. Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if you're launching Prime Matter, here's Prime Matter with seven new IP and, you know, a, a RTS spin off of Crossfire, that South <laughs> Korean MMO FPS that everyone loves. Um, but not really. It hasn't really taken off in the West just yet. Like it's it's not going to get much attention. Whereas here's the first image of Payday Three, and it's a, it's four blokes on a roof, <laughs> wondering yeah. how to get down. It's, <laughs> it's not really. It's, I yeah, buy that game. Bit, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit more interesting. That's a bit more. Uh, that's going to get a lot more attention, particularly during E3 mm. Summer Games Fest or whatever the hell we're in the middle of. I do. I do like Clemens. Uh, uh, it's one of my sort of. I like, I always,
0: I've not interviewed him for a long time, but I always used to enjoy interviewing Clemens. He was always such a, mm. um, and uh, I was always surprised when I got bought by THQ Nordic. It sort of showed where things had sort of gone wrong for them for a little bit, um, even though they had it. They bought all the THQ IP. I just realised now that basically Embrace a group now own THQ again, don't they? They've just rebuilt it because um, <laughs> they own Deep Silver and then they own THQ Nordic and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, I mean, was there anything else that stood out? Are, you, is, are we going to go, is it downhill from here? um or we... i would
1: hope not <laughs> <laughs> i would really hope not like, yeah. saying, like it, 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 there were some decent reveals but it didn't feel like anything exciting this kind of felt like the the stuff that would be a kind of a oh all right if it had been announced during all of the larger larger showcases or during the the, the heart of the week yeah like, but, i mean we got a big borderlands game got a big elden ring game yeah but um, the, but those are teasers, aren't we? We we talked about that. Like, that's a teaser for something that was there's going to be shown off later anyway. I mean, Gearbox has got an hour to show something off on on Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember which one. The schedule is so packed and so messy, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't keep track. But I don't like. It's like you said, like you know, the, the last night's thing was very much kind of a here's what's coming up, but without giving away too much. Um, so I, I, no, I'm I'm hoping that this is going to be a very interesting week. I don't know if I'm holding out hope that this is going to be like one of the best E3s kind of going back to what you guys were saying on the um, the podcast last week. It's, it's very kind of subdued. You kind of got to rein in your expectations. I'm going in with your kind of attitude, Chris, of I'm going to go in expecting it to be rubbish and then I'll be pleasantly surprised yeah. when it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I expect some stuff from Xbox. I expect, I mean, the thing is I'm, I'm such a Nintendo fan. I do like Xbox. I'm looking forward to that one as well, that I find myself waiting really to the last minute. Cause that's when Nintendo is just going to drop up here at the end, which is classic Nintendo, um, uh, keeping their normal slot that I'm sort of, um, from a personal perspective, but I, I watched last night and I, and nothing, not a single thing outside, outside of two point campus. Um, you know, think, oh, I'm going to get that, but I did think it was pretty impressive. Um, but, uh, we, we did our predictions, uh, uh, last week so i won't go down the I won't go down that route um uh, again but i tell you what i thought was surprising was actually some of the release dates because if you sort of sit back and look at the release lineup for this christmas you've got far cry and you've got battlefield now which we'll come on to and uh, there'll be a call of duty and um and then you start there's dying light and there's grand theft auto and there's horizon and then there's halo and then there's pokemon and you start thinking actually that's quite a good christmas like from a from a if i'm a retailer i'm looking at that thinking huh that's all right that is and then second first christmas of the consoles as well which should be quite looks like it and then you sort of get into january and then there's Elden ring and another pokemon in january and i thought we'll see, and that there was a, i think the borderlands games early as well early in the year so that's probably yeah, around march by, time
1: by the end of the financial year so yeah by march
0: yeah so maybe it's a two classic old 2k i've not done it for a while but they used to have a slot at the end of february they love to release games in um so it's 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 it, it they, for all the talk about the pandemic starting things down and we're definitely experiencing that right this minute it does seem like those games are things are gonna pick up come sort of september time maybe uh was is that something that did you did you did you were you surprised by the dates Danielle?
2: um some things were a little bit closer than i thought they would be um especially elden ring um mm. it, January doesn't seem that far away to me after this uh years of of when is it coming what is it um kind of thing um it i I think elden ring and and rcs are on the same day they come out on the same day so that's uh that's an interesting one um but yeah i don't think there was anything super surprising for me really Mm. um but i have already forgotten half of the release dates already so
1: (laughs) well um, I'm when it goes to the um, Elden Ring release date, the thing I'm, I'm more intrigued about is like not whether or not it'll be any good come January, but there was um a, there was a reference in in one of the announcements or the the press release or something to that they. Elden Ring is going to be explored beyond just games we're going to find other ways to kind of release you know to release this and explore this world which Mm. with the attachment of George RR Martin suggests book but given that he hasn't written one in (laughs) 10 years or rather the one he was meant to be writing 10 years ago is still unfinished I'm kind of not I'm expecting the Elden Ring trilogy to finished before he's even got the first book out.
0: He's he's not a young man anymore at this rate. Um, let's not go down that one. Um, uh, well, well, let's let's. something else happened yesterday. Is that Microsoft? Um, li- uh, to be fair, they lifted the embargo. They did show us a little bit earlier, but they did a pre-brief of um, sort of set the tone ahead of E3. And it was basically them talking about their strategy. And if you a regular reader game is nothing was really new in that at all. Um, they said a lot of stuff about going beyond the consoles, putting stuff on PC and streaming. They want to be more accessible and inclusive. We've spoken to Dave McCarthy at Xbox a few times about that, and it's really good what they're doing there. And they talk about how uh, cloud streaming is going to help them reach billions of players, and they're going to go into India and and, and China and Japan, and just sort of, because they've got mobile phones, they're going to put the games on the mobile phones, and that's going to be revolutionary. Um, and But they're still developing for consoles, they've got the most power. console the most affordable console that's the whole the whole pitch um and they also committed if there's one thing that was it wasn't entirely new they have said it before but this this is the first time they sort of said it in a public way and they also committed to trying to release one game every quarter so every three months Mm -hmm. what did you make of that james
1: I think that's sensible. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, know, I know, and you would hope so. Like with the sheer number of studios they've picked up over the last few years—twenty-seven, um, twenty-five, twenty-seven Xbox game studios now. Like internally, like yeah, there should be more than enough there that you can have them on an, almost on a roster, or at least kind of shuffle release dates about depending on what the other studios are doing to have a decent game every quarter. And all right, no, you know, it's not always going to be like an Elder Scrolls six. Or a, or a halo or a gears of war. But even if you slip in like a Hellblade or a State of Decay or a you know a Forza Horizon, Forza uh, Forza Horizon's a lot bigger. But you know you a it's, mix their biggest of game, titles, it's their biggest <laughs> game. Yeah. Definitely. Um but like a mix a mix of titles or psychonauts for example, then like yeah. a mix of titles, something decent every year to get people coming back to that Xbox ecosystem. I think that's a solid strategy. I think Disney Plus are kind of doing that now like with the Marvel series. You had one division like in January, so that's Q one, you then had Falcon in the Winter Soldier kind of um Marchish, so you know, yeah, Q two. Loki started in Q three. There will probably be a Mandalorian come, you know Q four or something or some sort of Marvel spin-off. I don't know. Like there'll, there'll be some sort of big series that keeps you coming back to that service.
0: G- games are different, though, right? You talked about you compared to Disney Plus. Disney Plus sort of had a couple of weeks off and then another Marvel series. But that's because yeah. TV series are linear. You can watch an, you can watch Loki in an hour and you're done. You can't play Halo in an hour and be done. You know that's something that's something that'll take you a bit of time. So I understand yeah. them not hitting us with something every month. Um, <clears throat> uh, but uh, it was yeah. I mean it was i think the thing is this is the thing that x rob fay talked about it last week this is the thing that xbox is lacking i love their strategy like i think their strategy is brilliant billions get more being more accessible being more inclusive game pass is a cool uh, value proposition it could change games in a good way it could also be undermine some business models but we'll see how that develops um but the thing that made me the thing is xbox just haven't delivered the games like the whole generation there have been some exceptions you know i'm a big sea of thieves fan but um quality wise, isn't quite been always there. Quantity wise, definitely not uh, consistency, not at all. And, um, uh, and we, and the, some of the games they have announced are really far away, right? Fables, perfect dark. Those games are teased. They're miles away. So we're sort of, and you know, if you listen to the fanboys on my Twitter, whenever I talk about it, you, PlayStation fans are, <laughs> Xbox fans are telling PlayStation that all their games are just ports and really just PS4 games and blah, blah, blah. And then PlayStation fans are yelling at Xbox well what games have you got. Um, and it's, uh, and it is, and it's, but they're, 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 it's, it's a legitimate criticism. I think it's a really cool console, but we're not seeing anything on it yet. And I think that's what we want from Xbox and, in, until they start showing that or we've been delivering on those things i think all of this is just a really cool sounding strategy mm-hmm. um i mean they're growing game path they are walking the walk like they're buying studios they're not they're not they're not just telling us they're going to do it and then not do it um but uh that was my takeaway the, the yeah. problem
1: is as well like the the reaction to your interview yesterday um, like I, you know, I shared your interview on, on Twitter and I was into, immediately responded with a bunch of like industry people saying well yeah they've been saying this for years though where are the games where are the games they've been saying this for years and the, the problem is like this is a long long game strategy it's not something you can suddenly go they're not going to come out on Sunday it's like right we're going to release a game every quarter and for the next four years it's not like um, like you said like Marvel um, whenever they do I keep on bringing it back to Marvel but it's, it's, it's a good analogy Marvel always said, right here's phase four here's the billion miniseries and game and film." And feature-length films we've got coming out between now and 2030. And that's easier to do because films are quicker to produce and not as prone to like, you know, you don't have to completely like restart a, a film from scratch, or if you do, <laughs> you're in serious trouble. Um, like, and they're not going to come out on Sunday and say, right, here are here's the games coming from every single studio for the next five years, because they can't do that. That's just not the nature of games development. And equally, as much as we're talking about had then, I I myself has said, like, oh, they, you know, they own all these different studios most of those studios are still working or have still been working on things so the Bethesda ones that they finally now technically own arcane still doing deathloop for PlayStation 5 like yeah. you're not going to get an Xbox exclusive arcane well, game for at least 3 maybe 4 years at the very least um yeah, James you I was, and I will
0: remember because we're old the rare when they bought rare and yes. um and um it, you know, the first like three or four games Rare made were for, for Nintendo. <laughs> um, and then it was took a while before, Grab uh, the Goodies, actually, well, in, in, looking back on it, it wasn't that long before we got our first Rare game, but it just, development's now so much longer. So, you know, you're right, it's going to take a long time. And we know that. And then and that's the thing, Microsoft knows that, but I think that's the frustration at the moment. It's all talk, I think. Game Pass has been good, you know, they are investing in stuff, they are buying studios, but until we start seeing the games, and they've got to be good, right? Um, and I think that's the reason why, it's an exciting promise, but uh, I'm sorry, Daniel, do you have any, I'm just going to move on and say something else about his, about this statement. Was there anything that,
2: no, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but, but I'm sort of thinking about it now just purely from a consumer perspective. And I'm, I'm thinking about halo and how badly it's gone over the last five or so years, like so much so that they've just left, uh, the last installment on the Xbox one, which wasn't the most popular console. And it's just sort of died there. Um, are you guys? Are you guys big Halo fans?
0: No, my brother is, and it seems to be all the Halo people are just playing the the older games the collect the, the yeah. anniversary. That's the yeah. big Halo game of the moment, from what I understand. It's the ones that three four three didn't make.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I'm just I, I'm so interested in what they've got to show because the release, uh, the reveal that they did about six months ago, didn't go down well on the internet with Halo fans. Um, so. I'm very curious to see if it looks any different, whether they've taken that feedback on board and whether they're actually going to hit that release date um, because I'm What's suspicious. Been, how long has <laughs> it been in
0: development now? About 100 years. It's, mm, uh, yeah. It, it, but... yeah. Um, uh, but that's, I mean, that's the thing. Right, It's so got to get the quality right. They can't just push it out. because It's been a while, Um, which is they delayed it a year in the first place. But we'll see. I mean, the other thing,
1: if there are still problems, I wonder if they'll do like they'll release the campaign or the multiplayer around the uh, Mm. anniversary and then the other half will come at a later date. (laughs) is i actually quite like the look of it like, i know it didn't look
0: visually stunning like oh this is really impressive but i actually thought it looked quite fun it looked it looked like it ran smoothly it, it felt a little bit halo like i've not played halo since halo 3 but it, it I, I actually got i thought oh i might jump back in on this one that was my response and then i saw the internet and i went oh well, i got that wrong <laughs> <laughs> um but um but you know i'm sure they'll get there the other thing that actually and i'll be honest with you, this annoyed me like i'm i'm really i'm conscious of the fact that i've said quite a few positive things about playstation lately and and uh I'm really, I'm accused of being a fanboy whenever I go I back or criticize <laughs> anyone but I actually had to say I I didn't like this, this is when um Phil Spencer did a little bit at the end where he basically took a pop at PlayStation. He did it in a few ways but the most notable way is when he said um talked about the fact that you know they're bringing games across platforms and he said others bring console games to PC years later not only making people buy their hardware up front but then charging them a second time on PC which I um I didn't like it because it starts, it's a bit of a tenuous thing, right? It's, it's just like nobody's... Re- if you've got the game on PlayStation 4 or 5, you're not going to go and buy it on PC a year later. It's to a different audience. But the thing that um, made me go, it's just console war rhetoric. And when you talk about how Xbox, is, Xbox Phil Spence goes, i oh, we need to give away from this. It's not just about competing on platforms. We're all friends. We're all part of the industry. We're all colleagues. And this console war stuff is toxic and bad. And I completely agree when he says it. And then he says stuff like that, which just inflames the fan bases again. And it's just like, you're just as bad. It wasn't as, I've seen it a lot worse. Right. You know, and as the PlayStation did it quite badly at the beginning of the PS4, they were quite cruel to Xbox, but you know, there was a few things like when Xbox did a tweet about the fact that they will definitely let you know when the pre-orders are going live and stuff like that. It was all little digs, but I thought, I, I just, I don't like it. Just, we need to get away from that kind of chatter because the thing is they are trying different things. And, um, and uh and so i i didn 't like that, but it 's uh i 'm sure the media loved it though <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of flicks and traffic and conversation in their on their forms
1: the 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 console war rhetoric, particularly around e three always you know brings up some great kind of moments and memes and stuff like i I always remember the air. Uh, the Sony game sharing after the Xbox one reveal that you could not share games across consoles. Um, and it was just, it was just two Sony people like handing a game to each other. Yeah. There yeah. was a, there was a website, I think there was a website around, um, I think it was shortly after connect was come out and they, and, um, so needed move PlayStation move. And there was a website about the glory, the glory of buttons, um and how satisfying <laughs> buttons are because
0: but i don't mind the teasing i don't even mind the banter there was a time when right at the beginning of e3 um sega poached uh, sorry sony poached a guy called steve race from sega right and sega used to be it was like number two to sega and they moved him to handle the launch of playstation in the u.s the very first one and sega used to be really like they used to post letters under the door of retailers so all the retailers that nintendo flew over to e3 uh sega would post little um, leaflets underneath their doors saying, "If you're thinking about uh buying a N64, then your head's in Uranus or something like that, or something like it was. Just, it was genuinely like, They it was it was a bit underhand. Um, but then Steve Race, when he went, to, he did the same thing to Sega. He went back and did it to Sega. So he started like he popped and um, Sega's inflatable Sonic, and it was all just. <laughs> but I kind of find that funny. Like I thought that's kind of banter. It's all a bit. It's all a bit of fun. It's all a bit of competition. But then. And then you just delve into it and the anger and the insults about this. Yeah. and it's, it's just a games console. They're all going to be fine. They're all going to be very successful. It's only going to sell a lot of consoles. Xbox are going to do a lot of subscriptions. Nintendo are going to make millions from just re- one Mario Kart game it released eight years ago. It's all we're all they're all going to be fine. Just it's all well and good. We're trying to just, you know, you have to just I understand people want to justify their console because they may only have one most people do and they have to say well this is why I like my console better than your console but that's not mm. that's a, is there there's a little bit of you know my football team's better than your football team but then there's then there's the toxicity which also exists in football and I just and I just always think it's a good idea for that that kind of thing to be inflamed by the uh, companies but anyway that was my thing um, I guess I'm used to it now. every time I do a tweet because it's all new consoles will come out every time I do a tweet about which consoles sold how things are performing in the market my twitter feed gets just flooded with people retweeting it going ah xbox had a good month ah playstation a good month just people trying to somehow as if that matters um but um but anyway um uh the other thing the only the final thing and this is actually from a couple uh wednesday uh battlefield was revealed um or teased i guess is again they're going to show more in time um, not, I'm not a massive Battlefield obsessive, but I think the big thing was that it's not going to have a battle royale mode. It's not going to have a single player mode. Uh, Daniel, I don't know if you're a Battlefield fan. Was that a?
2: Um, not really. Um, I used to play a lot of those kind of war games. Um, as uh, in my top teen years, um, I kind of moved away from it. Um, because it's just uh, like shooting through bunch of people nonsensically um just doesn't really appeal to me anymore um but it looks really nice um it looks uh, like something that's a little bit different um it was interesting though because it, it felt to me like a, a game that would come out for free and compete with other multiplayer games but i saw that it was going to be about 60 at launch just for a multiplayer game and i personally i'm like i'm not paying 60 quid just for a multiplayer game um, but lots of people will, so yeah. maybe it'll do all right. Don't know what do you guys think? Did you watch the trailer?
1: Um, I watched the trailer. I was thoroughly uninfused by the trailer'
0: I, I'll it's be honest, just not my genre. I'll, I'll be honest whenever I see something' that's the sort of deals with like the climate crisis has destroyed the world. I'm like, yeah it's too real i can't yeah. i can't I can't yeah. deal with this, but so, don't forget
1: it's not social commentary it's no, not social not commentary. Political.
0: Yeah, well um the um i didn't realize it's the same storyline to splatoon it's it's, um splatoon is also about the world has been destroyed and then this is what happened so it's um, it's
1: also it also seems to be the same storyline as the upcoming perfect dark but at least that one we know it's aliens not our own fault (laughs)
0: yeah it's well i just don't i just you know it's just a bit too real i can't handle it but i tell you what for me it's interesting because um i've been a little bit obsessed looking into because you know when nintendo this is a weird really weird t- t- tangent but you know when nintendo stopped making the mario collection everyone was like what the hell is wrong with nintendo do they not want money and i started to realize that in the charts at one point there was five mario games in the top 20 and i suddenly realized they were all competing with each other and in a world in a, in a world today where games live on sort of releasing a game that competes with a game that loads of people are still playing doesn't make sense and EA will have the data better than me. So if they didn't do a battle royale mode in Battlefield, I have to assume that's because they know a lot of their battle royale players are playing Apex Legends or mm-hmm. something like that. And so they don't want to hurt Apex Legends by give it, by splitting that audience or even pulling some of them away. You know, they'd be better off putting some Battlefield stuff in Apex Legends than launching a battle royale mode. And you know, uh Battlefield if it, you know single player games, you know, Sony are doing with single player games or, you know, look at the quality of those to invest in a really good single player game costs going to cost a lot of money. And although EA definitely can afford it, would they be better off putting that into a big focus game from Bioware or something like that rather than get the dice team on it? I, I, I kind of interested in the way these games now live forever. And when they, and sort of building it from that sort of um, uh, you sort of, it sort of becomes that actually, we don't need to chuck everything in here because if we do, we end up just pulling audiences away from, because there's, you know, the idea of buying a battlefield game every two, three years and then, another one sort of fading away i do expect it won't be long before we don't have a call of duty game every year um yeah. <clears throat> for that very reason so i, I thought it, i don't but um as danielle said i play say, um ea with their money so <laughs> i'm always a bit i'm not one of those people that's quite like games com, games cost more to make and it's sort of spiraling and there's the audience isn't necessarily growing and people it's harder to attract them so you need to sort of make up the cost somehow but when it's a game that's full price and then you've got the battle pass system or whatever, it, yeah. it's, I just sit there and go, well, I mean, I don't understand, I understand having a hybrid model, but the hybrid model means cheap base game and battle pass system or cheap battle pass system or cheap, you know, it's like, there's a, mm. it's not, but I guess, you know, they're a big public company.
1: Depends so. on their roadmap for it, isn't it? Like, you know, the, it, it's not like they're, I, I doubt there'll be another Battlefield in say two years time. Battlefield <laughs> used to be on a two year cycle, didn't it? Um, sort I of. seem to, I, sort of. I seem to, I, I, but they were there. Were there was always like another battlefield on the way, um, and so I, I can't imagine there's another battlefield heading any time after this. This will probably be very kind of events driven and season driven, and and yeah. So that battle pass and will will last a, a while. Like this is probably more akin to something like let's say Rainbow Six Siege. Like yeah, yes, it's a multiplayer only game, but it will last for. I mean, blimey, when did Rainbow Six Siege come out, and people are still buying the damn thing? Yeah. Um. Like I, I've been treated, and they must have data as well, like that, that says, well, you know, NAP play people play the the campaign." Yeah, we pour our heart and soul into doing this incredible six-hour campaign that only thirty percent of people get through the first half. We just won't bother. The one I'm intrigued about was um was it Black Ops Four, Call of Duty Black Ops Four that didn't have a campaign? How well did that sell compared to the other Call of Duties? Because I remember there be, I remember there being a fuss around the fact that it wasn't going to have a campaign. And I, me and me thinking like that is the only reason I, I even consider a Call of Duty game is because I I am not a multiplayer gamer, but I'll give the campaign a go. So right, that's an instant not sale for I, me. I,
0: I will say that I, from what I understand that the Backups Force lack of a multiplayer game wasn't a business decision, um, or it was a uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to make this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, a, it's it was it was more a result of necessity rather than a um, <clears throat> rather than a. Uh, uh, thing you know and the fact that every Call of Duty game since has had one um with well, the exception of yeah. Warzone of course um uh but I I'm, I'm I've, I don't I there was there's normally a timer in the corner of this I have no idea how long <laughs> I've gone on for but it's uh, probably doesn't sound like it's a shorter one today um but uh, we are doing a lot more podcasts over the next um <clears throat> uh, uh week we're going to be we've got some special guests I think we can name a couple we've got Cassia Curran from Wings Guhar Bala from Beeland Studios joining us there's a couple of other surprises as well which we'll uh, we'll announce when we're ready to, um, and, uh, but yeah, and you're hoping to have one over the weekend. If not, definitely Monday. Um, and, uh, but until, uh, until next time, um, you can listen to us on your podcast platform. If you didn't want it, if you're watching us on YouTube and you think, I don't really have time to watch this. If you think I'd love to see James Batchelor's face, then, um, then great. Uh, join us on YouTube and watch us there.
1: Um, guarantee you the one reveal people want from this week is not my face. (laughs) Imagine. Um, get Jeff Keeley on to uh, introduce. Um, yeah, where, where's the James Bachelor mask on um, Among Us? Eh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us.
1: And uh, yeah, I'll see you uh, probably in the next couple of days.